my long-term goal was to someday escape the rat race. So I always had that in the back of my mind. And I think that's important. If anyone aspires to escape the rat race, you need to have that the forefront of your mind and you need to wake up every single morning and ask yourself what you can do today towards your goal of escaping the rat race. Welcome to Investing in the U.S., an Aussie's Guide to U.S. Real Estate, a podcast for international investors and real estate entrepreneurs looking to break into the U.S. market. G'day, g'day, guys, and welcome to another cracking edition of Investing in the U.S., an Aussie's Guide to U.S. Real Estate, the number one podcast geared towards helping international investors break into the U.S. market and start buying cash-flowing deals. From Los Angeles, I'm Reed Goosens. Good as always to have you with us on the show. Now, guys, I want to thank you for taking some time out of your day to tune in, and I want to thank you guys for leaving some awesome comments about the show. And so before we dive in to meet the guest today, I want to take a few moments to give, read a bit of a shout out to some of the people who've taken some time to leave a comment on iTunes. And the first shout out goes to Salma Boogie. And they say, highly recommended investing podcast. The information presented in Reed's podcast is interesting and relevant for those who want to grow their real estate investments in the US. And also for those who are just interested in the US in general. As an investor, I highly recommend this podcast. Well, thanks, Salma. Selma Boogie, great feedback. The second shout out is from Sefer B. And Sefer says, loaded with valuable information. Five stars. Reads hosts a terrific podcast for new and experienced investors. He has a unique craft to make the process of investing in the US easy to understand and implement. The lessons taught can be applied to anyone. It is truly worth your investment time. Invest, investment in time, I should say. Sorry about that. Guys, thank you so much, Sefa and Salma Boogie, for making the effort and leaving a review. It really does help this show out because it, iTunes can see that I'm actually providing some awesome, cracking content, and you guys are loving that content. So if you haven't left a review, jump on iTunes now or head over there, whatever you want to do, leave a review, and maybe next time I will give you a shout-out. You know, we might be the next shout-out person on this show. Okay, last thing about housekeeping is that, as you, some of you know, I've been doing uh, a free 30-minute call with, uh, with some of my listeners. And the reason for that call is to give back to you guys, help you guys in your real estate business. Uh, on this call, it's completely up to you. I don't sell you anything. I don't pitch you anything. The call is whatever you want it to be about. We can talk about a deal. We can talk about any roadblocks or bottlenecks you're having in your real estate investing business. So if you are interested, uh, my calendar fills up pretty quickly. I have about four or five spots a week. Just hit me up on my email at read at rsnpropertygroup.com. And that is my personal email. Guys, finally, the final thing is that if you are ever flying through LA and you want to meet up and catch up for you know maybe lunch or breakfast or we want to go grab a beer... I always love hanging out with other real estate entrepreneurs. I live in uh, in Culver City, just a short drive from the airport. So again, if you do want to hit, just let me know ahead of time and hit me up at read at rsnpropertygroup.com. Okay, enough of me blabbing on. Let's get cracking and into today's show. Today with me on the show, I have Mark Walker. G'day, Mark. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today? G'day, Reed. Thanks so much for the invite. Doing great. How are Mate, you? I am doing very well. It's a Friday. This, uh, I'm sure this podcast will be released on a Monday so people get confused, but uh, we do pre-record our podcasts here on this show. It helps me with, uh, with my time management. So uh, I'm doing really, really well. Looking forward to the awesome long weekend that's coming ahead. 
So guys, I want to give you a little bit of background on Mark. Uh, he is a pretty awesome guy. He is a living, breathing example of someone who has taken the courage and has taken action to start investing in US real estate. And he has eventually was able to quit his day job and become a full-time investor, which is, you know, in my mind, is bloody awesome. So Mark, uh, Mark started out in 2004 investing in real estate, but it wasn't until 2011 when he was able to take the plunge and leave his J-O-B. Since 2011, he, Mark, has successfully been investing in a couple of states, which is Colorado, Illinois, Texas, and Florida. And in that time, he has amassed a very nice sized portfolio of both single family and multifamily buildings. So Mark, that's a pretty awesome introduction. Well done, mate, for taking the, the plunge and good on you for uh, leaving your day job. Yeah, thanks, Reed. And it was actually 2015 that I left the day job. Oh, okay. I, Sorry, I apologize for that. No problem at all. But uh, I did get really serious uh, about real estate in about the 2010, 2011 time frame. But yeah, I was doing it part time. I was employed in high tech, so awesome. I had a lot going on at the time. Awesome. Well, so a lot of my listeners love hearing about the achievements of of all my guests that come on this show. But we also love hearing about the man behind. All all the achievements. So do you want to w rewind to, you know, 2004 and just explain how you got started investing in real estate and how it took you, you know, that period of time to 2015 to then be able to break out of the, the day job and become a full-time investor? Yeah. So, it, you know, I'll rewind back to 2004 and I think my story is very similar to a lot of other stories I hear. I read the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. And that just turned me on to this whole idea of investing in real estate. And it really lit that fire about entrepreneurship. That's something I've always had in my blood. So I set out and in 2004 bought that very first rental property. It was a duplex in South Denver. The cash on cash return on that property was 36.5% in the first year. And, you know, not every deal's like that, but especially when that's your first deal, I was 10 times more excited about doing more real estate. So I owned that property for one to two years. And after that, I actually sat out for a few years. I had trouble finding deals that would pencil. And it was about 2010 that I started networking again because the market had taken its turn here in the U.S., and I ended up connecting up with a general contractor that was pretty well established in the Denver area. We decided to team up together and we scraped a couple single family homes in some trendy parts of Denver. And we raised up a three story duplex on each one of those lots. We did what's called a party well agreement on both of those duplexes, which basically titled or deeded each, of, each side of the duplex individually. And we sold each side off separately. So that, that each one of those wrapped up my money for about 12 to 15 months. Now, one thing I'll say too, Reed, is this is one of the things I love about multifamily. I enjoyed doing those development deals. I made a good amount of uh, return on my money, but my money was tied up for 12 to 15 months. And I wasn't, with multifamily, I can at least, while I'm repositioning a property, I can renovate, I can, I can collect rent as I'm renovating that property. So that's something I love about multifamily, but I don't mean to sidetrack us. After doing the development deals, I started buying rental properties in 2011. Everything I was buying at the time was single family. 
And so I've just been slowly just been doing bigger and bigger deals as I go. I amassed a moderate size portfolio of, you know, single family homes and was renting them out at the time. Whenever I would underwrite something, I wanted it to pencil at at least a 20% cash on cash return in the first year. And I'll tell you, I turned my nose up at several deals in that time frame that might have penciled at 18 or 19%. And looking back, I wish I would have taken those deals. But at the time, it was the right strategy for the right time. The, the market was still uh, very, uh, very soft. Uh, here in the U.S. at that time, especially in Denver, and finding those deals was a piece of cake. Well, that was through about 2014. So then in around that same time, it was actually tail end of 2013, 2014, I bought my very first multifamily property. It was a 12-unit apartment complex. And that was my intro into multifamily. Well, then in 2015, with that 12-unit apartment complex and a bunch of single-family homes, I decided it's time to leave the corporate job. And you know what the motivation was behind that? One of the biggest things was I was looking at my real estate business taking off. I looked at how quickly I was able to make decisions with my partners how easy it was to work together. Well, working in a corporate environment, and I'm not knocking corporate environments, corporate, you know, working in a corporate environment has its advantages. I loved it for almost 14 years. But I looked at decision-making inside the corporation, and boy, it seemed like everyone had veto power. No one had the power to say yes, but everyone had the power to say no. And that just drove me nuts. So, January 2015, I took the plunge and I escaped the rat race and I started focusing on my investments full time. Well, that's absolutely awesome, mate. And I love what you said about the uh, the, the freedom in which you uh, were able to make the decisions on your own. And what, I don't know if you touched on what were you, uh, what industry were you, you in in the corporate corporate America? I was in high tech uh-huh. uh, for a company that manufactured and marketed hard disk drives. So the hard drive in your computer, your server, your consumer device. That was very likely made by the company I worked for. Right, right, right. I could imagine it would have been, was it riveting work or was it just typical cubicle, you know, nine to five, nothing exciting? Well, lots of hills and valleys in the hard disk drive business, (laughs) but uh, there were some very exciting times. And I think I can, you know, relate to a lot of people when I say it's, you know, the people is what made it fun. You know, right. I that was fantastic. I worked with some amazing people. Right, right, right. And you mentioned early on in your story that you'd picked up the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. A lot of people on this show that come on here and a lot of listeners, you know, have uh, attributed that book to their success or that sort of the aha moment that, that I know I certainly did uh, back in 2009. So you picked up that book in 2004. You've, you've had a, a few years off. You've got back into it. How did you then look at trying to, when was the right moment that you decided, okay, this is it instead of, you know, back in 2014 or back in 2013? Was it a purely the case of that you closed on that 12 units and it was creating enough cash flow? Or was it just more the, the case that you just wanted to scale your business and say, enough's enough. I've got to get full time in this thing. Get my hands dirty. You know, it was, it was really a combination of things. You know, it was a stressful time, uh, you know, inside the company at the time uh, in the corporate job. And, you know, it really just, again, I looked at how 
quickly and how well my real estate business was doing. I always knew that my long-term goal was to someday escape the rat race. So I always had that in the back of my mind. And I think that's important. If anyone aspires to escape the rat race, you need to have that the forefront of your mind and you need to wake up every single morning and ask yourself what you can do today to, to, uh, towards your goal of escaping the rat race. And, but, but with that said, you know, I probably would have liked to have gone another year or two, you know, but, but, but the, but the truth is, is just, you know, again, I just was, you know, kind of getting, you know, fed up with, you know, kind of, right? yeah, jaded is a good word. That's a great word. Yeah. I know, I know a lot of people, myself included, you know, I was in a structural engineer for, for 10 years and just in a cubicle and just, I remember saying to someone, I would go and do these site walks and people would ask me, well, how many bolts do they need in that connection? I was like, I don't care. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I was like, oh, what are you renting the space for? I'm so much more interested in the sort of the development side of it rather than, you know, the, the structural safety. I'm, I'm only, I'm being facetious, but you know, you know what I'm trying to say? It just sort of got to a point where like, there's got to be more to life than what I'm doing. And I'm, a lot of people listening to this show are just sort of scratching their heads saying, you know, I just don't have that courage to do what what uh what you've done mark and and i think it's it's huge kudos to you mate because you know it it takes as you said it's it's a stressful time in your life to say okay well i've got a family and i'm going to take this plunge i'm going to i'm going to dive full into it so with that being said did you have you know a number that you wanted to hit that you know in terms of your passive income or your rental income to say okay once i've hit this number i'm good to go or was it more just like backs to the wall let's let's chance this thing you know that's a great question reed and yes i did have a number it was it was ten thousand dollars per month in in free cash flow is what my number was, and you know I always kind of had that like I said I always kind of had that number in mind, and you know I think too I'm not gonna lie you know even even when I did have that number in mind, and I was really starting to think seriously about taking the plunge. It was still a very difficult decision. It was stressful. That was just thinking about that was stressful. Even the first several months of being out of the rat race, it it took some adjusting because for 14 years, my mind had been trained to to know that every two weeks, I'm going to get a paycheck and and that money is just going to magically appear in my bank account. <laughs> and you know, uh when that no longer started happening, even even though I had this cash flow on the side, I mean I was I was still making less because I didn't have the high paid corporate job. And that took a little bit of adjusting and even ramping up to it, probably three months wrapping up to it, my wife was so incredibly supportive. I, I went and I traded in my infinite my infinity car. Yep. For a Nissan Sentra. Right. <laughs> <laughs> gets thirty gets thirty-six miles of the gallon, Reed. Great car. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, I, I made some lifestyle changes too. You know, be and, and that I think is another example of just how committed, if you really want to make that transition, you have to be committed to it even in that way. To 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 scale back and say, you know what, I'm even committed to it in that way. And uh, and make those changes in your life and and settle into your new normal. You know yep. what I mean? Yep. No, I do know what you mean. And I think that you brought up some really good points. And my mind's racing with all different questions I want to ask you because, you know, for someone listening to this, ten thousand dollars a month is you know that's a, that's a large sum of money. But I guess if you're earning more than that, it doesn't really matter what the figure is. If you're earning more than whatever your figure that you set to leave your day job, 
then it's always going to be hard to readjust, right? Whether it be you know five thousand dollars a month and you and you, you get four thousand in cash flow, or it might be twenty and you know fifteen, whatever it might be. I love that you went that next step and said, okay, I'm going to take this plunge, but I do need to be careful because a lot of people just as you said, expecting that every two weeks something's going to come in and it just doesn't happen anymore. It's sort of more reliant on you. So was that a scary time to think, oh, geez, I've two weeks is up. I uh, I don't have any, I didn't have any income this this month. I've got to go out and get some. Or, or was it more that you had your systems in place that you knew that 10,000 was coming in the door each and every month? Yeah. You know, I, I did know that, you know, that was coming in and, you know, that varies sometimes. So, some months is a little bit more and some months was a little bit less depending on, you know, how many, you know, maintenance calls, you know, came in right. and things like that. Right? right. 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 You know, but yeah, so I always, I always had that confidence in knowing that, you know, and I, of course I had quite a bit of liquidity too. So I had that sure. as well. So, you know, I, I didn't stress too much and I knew I was still employable if, if, you know, <laughs> the, the worst, you know, possible thing happened. You know, so it was a stressful time, you know, but, but the stress was really self-inflicted. Right. It's really a mental battle, right? Yes. Because again, yes. my, my mind was trained to, 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 to just know that every two weeks there was going to be more money in my bank account. And, and that was no longer, you know, the, my normal, you know, yep. so a lot of it, that stress was really just self-inflicted me adjusting to the new normal. Yep. 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 And that's, that's really important as well as, is that you said mindset and, and a lot of people out there just have to change that mindset because they, people are sort of, I don't know what's the word, you know what's the saying like we're victims of our own mind you know we think we think of always the worst things oh this could happen or that could have happened but at the end of the day you are employable you know what's the worst thing that can happen you go back to work yeah <laughs> you, that's you know, exactly right you know like you, you you take 6 months off or even if it's a year to give it a crack and it doesn't work out well, okay, you go back and get a job. What's you know, there's and if you if you hustle enough to, to get that back into that job, you'll be fine. And I I just love that you taken that that uh, initiative to do it. And you know, as I said, kudos to you, mate. So 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 very well done. No, thank you, thank you, Reed. Uh, so the other thing I wanted to ask is, um, once you have now gone full time, you're sitting you're sitting at your, your home desk. Has your business like ramped up, you know, I'm sure there would have been a time every entrepreneur where you come Monday morning, the week you've just quit your job a couple of weeks ago and you wake up Monday morning and you actually don't have to go anywhere. And so you think you have all this time on your hands. Has that time been filled up with scaling your now? Um, and I forgot to mention the name of your, your company, which is, is it's uh, Lux, Luxum, is that correct? Luxmana Investments. Luxmana Investments. So have you been yeah. able to scale that so much more now that you've gone full time? I have. And you remember the 12 unit apartment complex I talked yes, about? Yes, yes I do. I turned the 12 unit into a 64 unit apartment nice, complex. Nice. Yeah. So, you know, before I go into the detail of that, I'll say that in in support of scaling up my business, I found a mentor. And and I'll tell you I had a unique advantage because I have a cousin who's been about 30 years in the multifamily business. He's incredibly successful. His company uh, does multifamily investments of his own. He has a brokerage division and he has a property management division as well. And yeah, and so he he and I had always talked over the years about real estate. We'd always get together and compare notes. And I think for your listeners that might want to, you know, look for a mentor themselves, even though I had the benefit of having a family member that's that was my mentor or is my mentor today, your listeners, you guys can find 
a mentor the same exact way. You can get out there, network, meet with people, you know, have conversations, trade notes on what's going on, what's working, what's not working, what can improve in your business. And based on just those conversations that and that networking, you're going to find a, a mentor that you're going to be able to trust and look up to and attach yourself to. And so what I did is, well, actually my cousin then invited me to come sit in his office and see how the really big deals were done. Because remember, up until this point, most of my stuff was single family stuff with a 12 unit apartment complex. That was as far as I had gone. My cousin won't touch anything less than 100 units. He prefers two to 300 units at a time. And so I've had the opportunity to sit in his office and see how these huge deals go down. And so that's been a huge benefit. And so, you know, what I did in that time frame is I went ahead and I got licensed in Colorado. It's something I had never done. And I figured it complemented what I did. So I, I spent the first month out of the rat race taking my real estate classes and, you know, taking the exam and getting that knocked out. And, and then, you know, I, I just sat back and I've been watching and I was helping, you know, with, with some of these larger deals. And in the midst of that, you know, I ran across a 64 unit apartment complex and I went ahead and I put the thing under contract. Uh, this was about a year now when all of this was starting and I just went through the process and ended up closing it on in December, you know, of 2015. And that was my first larger multifamily deal. But like I said, 64 units is, is big, but it's still small in the grand scheme of things. Hey, man, don't uh, don't be knocking yourself. 64 units is awesome. And yeah. t- talk a little bit more about how you took that down. Was that with, did you sell your 12 unit and did a 1031 exchange to buy the 64 or did you do a little syndication on it? How did it work? It was both of those things. Okay. I, I did sell the 12 units and I had a good chunk of change come out of that that I, I ended up putting into the, the 64 unit. I uh, needed a little bit more capital, so I brought in uh, a couple investors, so I syndicated it. And we, uh, yeah, we ended up taking it down in December. Now, what's also interesting about the 1031 exchange is that I literally closed on day 180. And for those of you that know what a 1031 exchange is here in the U.S., there's a very short window. You have a short 45-day window to identify your replacement property, and then you have another 135 days, so a total of 180 days to get that deal closed. Yep. yep. I closed it by the skin of my teeth, Reed. It was a crazy <laughs> stressful time, let me tell you. Hey, but I'm sure you've learned uh, you, those war wounds or the, uh, avoided war wounds, so to speak. You, you know, they they help you grow as an investor, and you're going to be so much better come deal two, to come deal three, come deal ten. And I just right. love that you've been able to scale that and. For all those international listeners out there, that's the beauty of investing here in the United States is, you know, it's like a, a small lever. Like you, you pull it back to do a small deal, then you push it forward to do a bigger deal and you pull it back again, you push it forward and you just keep ratcheting it along because you can just keep rolling your money over and, you know, as I like to say, rinse and repeat. So that's awesome, man. And so tell me a little bit more about where this deal is located and sort of the, the numbers behind it. Yeah, absolutely. So this deal is located in Irving, Texas, mm-hmm. which is in Dallas County. Mm-hmm. 
And so it's I know right it well. There. Okay, very good. <laughs> and Irving's got a population of about 235,000 people. I think it's a very strong submarket. This is a C-class apartment complex, so it, it appeals to working class people. I love this property because there's such a strong sense of community inside the complex. It's been great. I did do some repositioning. Uh, I did about a six-month renovation on it. Went in and rent, and my original intent was to renovate about half of the units, but uh, I came in under budget on a number of things. So I'll probably, when it's all said and done, I'm I'm going to probably reno have renovated about seventy-five percent of the units. So everything else is done. I've done a ton of exterior renovation. Uh, all that stuff's done, but I have some budget left over. So I'm just now, even today, renovating units as the leases expire and, and turn. So, and that's mainly just because I've had budget left over. But uh, rents have uh, come in very strong. Uh, I've been able to, as leases are renewing, raising rents about 125 to $175 each, depending nice. on the, the unit. Yeah. And that's nice. even above what my performa was. Even better. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I've been able to pay uh, uh, distributions to my other two investors uh, every single month since closing the property. Wow. So that's always exciting when you can do what you said you would do. <laughs> so. And it's building track record, right? You just build, I'm sure these guys, you've never invested with these guys before because it's your first deal, but those guys are rubbing their hands together and goes, where's deal number two, right? You're going to be, have so much more credibility come deal two, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's actually a problem that I have right now is I've got people knocking at my door, people that want to invest and, and the same two guys want the next deal. And you know, finding the deals, I think the hardest part. And, but, you know, you, you touched on something, Reed, that, you know, if it's okay with you, I'd like to touch on it. You talked about the track record, you know, and especially when you get into multifamily, that becomes so critical, not only to your investors, but also to the lenders and multifamily. When you get into the big stuff, doors open for some of the most attractive financing, I was able to get agency debt on this property, so I did a Fannie small balance loan, which was completely non-recourse. They even gave me $5,000 per unit to renovate the property, and they rolled that up into the loan. Now, you just can't get that kind of loan uh, by just being an everyday Joe off the street, right? You have to demonstrate the track record. You have to build the financial strength as well to uh, do that kind of loan. But for anybody that aspires to be a multifamily investor, the, the, the terms and the financing just gets more and more attractive as you scale up. Mm -hmm. Yep, exactly. And the other thing that I noticed in your bio to uh, to, to, to segue on from that is the about how you've leveraged other people's abilities or other people's uh, experiences to help you scale your business. And have you used that you know, to get the debt, to get the deal done? How have you used that in your business or are you looking to use it in the future going forward to help you scale more? Yeah, yeah, that's that's a really great point because you know, for anybody that aspires to you know, do larger real estate deals, you could take a similar path as me which would be, you know, start with small deals and, you know, build the financial strength, get the experience and, you know, just do larger and larger deals. Slowly graduate sort of, th sort of thing. Yeah. Right? 
but that takes a lot of time. There is a shortcut and that's exactly the secret that you just let out of the bag, Reed, right? <laughs> you can, you can attach yourself to a sponsor. In fact, that, that doesn't even mean that you, you shouldn't do your own deals. You can continue doing your own smaller deals in the background, but you know, you can proactively so, uh, attach yourself to a sponsor on a bigger deal sooner than that, you know, while you're doing that and you can accelerate your, your path, your journey, your path, you can leverage their financial strength. You can leverage their experience. You can, you know, get your name attached to theirs and, you know, that'll help you scale that much faster. So also the other thing is too, that in multifamily, your property management company makes a huge difference. The lenders, even when you have the track record, they want to see a management company in place that has the experience uh, as well to successfully manage that property and collect the rent. And so, you know, that, that in addition to, you know, having a strong sponsor, just affiliating yourself and finding yourself a strong management company is a big deal as well. I think there are two very good points you've just hit on, and that is having a deal sponsor and having a good property manager. And it really goes back to having a good team around you, right? And leveraging other people's abilities, whether it be the property manager because they've had experience in large multifamily or leveraging a potential partner because they've got a nice big fat bank account and they've done 12 deals before, but it's been able to leverage people. And that's really, really important for everyone listening out there, leveraging people's ability to then scale your own business. And, and as you alluded to, you can do it by yourself and you can slowly graduate from from single family to multis, from multis to or small multis to large multis, but it does take a long period of time. And I'm sure you can attest to that, uh, Mark, that it does take a period of time. And now looking forward, how are you changing your business model at all to, to, to use syndication or, or, or leveraging other people's ability to, to buy more deals? Well, I'll tell you what, my next deal is definitely going to be bigger than 64 units, of course. <laughs> so it's just a question really of, you know, how big you want to go. But even at this point, right, I've got to continue to demonstrate a track record. And with Fannie Mae, when you do a non-recourse loan with them, they typically have three tiers that they look at. They have a tier of uh, five units to 50 units. And then the second tier is 51 units to 100 units. That's the tier that the 64 unit put me in. After about a year of seasoning, I'll be clear to move on to tier three. Once you're in tier three, that's 100, 101 units or more. And anything above 100, that's all tier three. So, you know, even when you, you know, graduate into, you know, doing a non-recourse debt and getting some of these attractive debt options, they, they still, you know, you're still learning. You still have to demonstrate your track record until you get into that third tier. So uh, it's still important, you know, and, and, you know, the other thing that the lenders look at, so they're looking at your experience, but they also look at your net worth. They want your net worth to be equal to or greater than the loan amount. And then third, they look at your post-close liquidity. So if I go off and I say find a 200-unit deal, I want to go from a 64-unit to a 200-unit, I may very well need to attach myself to another high net worth individual because even though I've grown quite a bit to graduate to a 200-unit deal, I'm probably going to need a little more financial strength. So, so yeah, I, even, even, even guys like me that have say done it per se, right. You know, still may need to leverage other, other people and their financial strength and attach myself to them to, to do the next big deal. 
Yeah, that's that's so important. And for all those people listening out there who might have got a little confused with just with what Mike was saying, what he was essentially alluding to is that when the banks look at you, they want to make sure you can you've got a net worth of what the what the loan is, right? And so if you're not worth that much money, you know, you're trying to get a nine million dollar loan to close on a you know a two hundred unit property. You will then need to bring a, a sponsor on board and or co-sponsor or keep a key person of influence into that deal who does have that sort of big bank account to then close on the loan. And 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 Mark, are you aligning yourself with your cousin or someone else who will help you do that in the future moving forward? We've definitely had that conversation. That's definitely a possibility. I uh, haven't done it yet, but you know, and again, you know, I'm constantly networking, meeting new people and people that I could work with as well in the future. So definitely a possibility. Right. And one other thing I just want to quickly hit on is that you mentioned going from tier two to tier three. You could jump to tier three if you brought the right person on board, right? Even if you hadn't had a ton of experience doing that, you know, multifamily. If you, you know, I brought them the deal, they've liked the deal, they can come on board and they could cut me or you a part of the GP, the general partnership, as a, as a reward for bringing them the deal. Is that something you could also do? That's exactly right. Yes. And that's where, again, when I look back and ask myself, if I could have done something differently, what would it have been? Yep. That's what it would have been. Even while I was investing and, you know, building my portfolio, I I might have, you know, looked to do that, to attach myself to that type of sponsor, someone that could have just jumped me to tier three right away. <laughs> Well, hey, you know, I'm sure you're well on your way, mate, and I'm, I'll be seeing a lot more deals coming down the road with your name on it. I'm very, very sure. And you're going to become a sponsor one day as well. I, I'm sure that's a, a a goal of yours. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, I was able to take down the uh, the 64 unit myself, but you know, absolutely, I uh, I, I I would love to do that. I, I I love to help people and partner with people, and you know, something you said earlier too, Reed, that you know, really caught my ear is, you know, you talked about the team, right? And the people that you work with. And I'm a huge advocate of that as well. Just that example of, you know, when I was saying that I closed on day 180 for my 1031 exchange, you know, the only way I was able to pull that off was, was because of the team, you know, the, the people at the lender, the people at the management company, the people the the, the 1031 exchange intermediary, everyone came together and made that happen, not because they had to, but because they could. Right. And and so the team is so important. Oh, 100%. And we talk about team on this show all the time, particularly as international investors listening to this show, they need to develop a team boots on the ground. But Mark, I, I don't know if you were offering before. I thought I heard a little slight uh, offer there that maybe you would, uh, if someone brought you a, 60, uh, a tier two deal, but maybe you'd partner or would be a, a key person of influence in that deal. I'm, I'm just throwing it out there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> awesome, in fact, um, you know, I even have an offer, uh, a free gift for your listeners too. Great. Tell, us, tell can... us all about it. Yeah. Well, uh, I've written a, a guide. I call it the 10 not so obvious ways to boost your multifamily property NOI. And uh, as a thank you for everyone for listening, uh, if you just go to uh, my website, www.luxmana.com. Luxmana is spelled L-U-X-M-A-N-A.com. Then you can just uh, find this interview in the interviews section of my website and uh, go in and you can grab that paper. 
Awesome, mate. I will be putting that up on the show notes and we'll have everything linked in the show notes, your, your email, your, your phone number, where people can get you and your website. So remember, guys, you can check that all out and uh, you know just re-listen to this show and I'm sure you can write it down with a pen and paper. <laughs> yeah, you bet. Mark, so with, su- with such an awesome story, you've escaped the cubicle. You're now a full-time investor. I know you're primed to give me your top five investing tips. You ready to get into it? Yeah, you bet. Mate, what is the most successful habit you practice to keep on track towards your goals? Never stop learning. Learning leads to action, and action leads to success. I like that. I like that. Uh, yeah. Did you did you coin that yourself? Well, I did coin that myself. Good. But, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm sure that uh, it's just a best practice that a lot of successful people you know, employ. You know, I, I find with real estate especially – there are so many people that aspire to get started, but they never do. And they look back and that's their greatest regret is that they never, they never did anything. And, 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 and the reason they didn't do anything is because they, they were scared, you know, they were worried about the risk or they didn't know what they were doing. So the first part is to never stop learning. And as you learn, you're going to get to be more comfortable with the ideas and the the ways to be successful in real estate, and you're going to take action. And it's by taking action and only by taking action that you'll ever be successful. I love it. I love it. I I also like to say that ignorance shouldn't be an excuse for for taking action, right? You shouldn't be afraid of something because you don't know it. If you don't know it, go out and learn about it or go out and ask a question of someone. And it goes back to your point, never stop learning, never stop, you know, asking questions, never stop, you know, bugging your mentor or or reaching out to you mark and asking hey i've got a, I've got a question i don't know quite know something about this or, or this this and that and get the answer and once you've got the answer you'll be more educated and you'll you'll be able to make the right decisions so yeah right on. mate what's the most influential tool in your real estate business i'm sure you have one what is it you know probably my uh trusted underwriting tool that uh that's been developed yeah absolutely that is how i analyze every single deal you know, in fact, that's another tip, you know, for, for investing in success, right, is to stick to your investment criteria. Know what it is and stick to it. Don't get emotional about a deal. And that tool is so incredibly important to me because that's how I analyze the deal and that's how, you know, I know whether or not that investment's for me or not. Sure. Good. I love it. I love it. And another thing I keep telling people is always try and do your own spreadsheet if you can because if you understand your own spreadsheet and you understand the numbers, you're going to be better analyze your deals a lot better because you'll know what goes into your spreadsheet. I had someone come to me one day and said, oh, the spreadsheet, the numbers turn green. That's good, right? And I said, oh, you know, I, I shook my head at them. I said, no, no, you need to understand what that means. So um, awesome stuff, mate. What's the most exciting project you're working on right now? Uh, probably finding my next deal, <laughs> you know, but, uh, but well, I'll, I'll cheat on your question a little bit because I'm not actually, you know, so much working on it right now. I, but I did just wrap up the renovation on the 64 unit and that was just an exciting process. You know, I love giving people a great place to live, you know, and, and, and I loved improving that property and watching the transformation and, and seeing the, the fruit that, that has been, that is getting bared as a result of, of that effort, you know? And so that, that's been very exciting. It's been so much fun. Awesome stuff, mate. And, uh, I'm sure you have an influential person in your career. Who is it? 
Oh, that would absolutely be you, Reed. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm blushing if people can't see my face. Oh, wait, we're on we're on podcast. <laughs> yes, absolutely. No, I'm actually I'm going to give that credit to my cousin. You know, sure. right now, uh, you know he he aspired me to think bigger, and you know uh, I closed on that 64 unit on December 8th, and I remember you know going in and and just telling him you know. It was a year ago we started talking about even the possibility of me and coming and sitting in your office and job shadowing. And at that time, if you would have told me you're going to buy a 64-unit apartment complex in less than a year, I would have told you you were crazy. But, but he's the one that I think really challenged me to think bigger and, and, and showed me you know, how, how these really big deals go down. So he's been so influential. Who, what's his name? Mike Phillips. Mike Phillips. Well, you are Mark's most influential person in your career. Uh, and I want to just you know touch on one last question before we go. Is the best U.S. deal you've completed to date? It's been the 64-unit uh, apartment complex in Irving. Cool, 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 man. All right, mate. Well, look, you've given our listeners some awesome, awesome advice about escaping the rat race. If people were going to reach out to you and you know ask you some more questions, I'm sure a lot of people do have a lot of questions. Where can they reach you at? I'd say the best place is going to be luxmana.com. Again, L-U-X-M-A-N-A.com. Otherwise, if you Google uh, Mark Walker LinkedIn, I bet you my profile might come up. Or Mark Walker Luxmana Investments. I think my LinkedIn profile is one of the first ones that will uh, come up in your search results. So, yeah. Cool, man. Well, mate, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to chat with us. Uh, Have a great rest of your week and we'll catch up soon. Sounds great, Reed. Thanks so much. Well, there you have it. Another great episode for you, all you inspiring real estate investors out there. Go out and take some action. Put the TV remote down and start investing in US real estate. Now, make sure you check out all the show notes for a summary of today's conversation with Mark and all the links that we did mention will be on my website at rsmpropertygroup.com. Remember, if you are in the LA region and you want to hit me up for a coffee, lunch, or beer, I love meeting with other investors and talking shop. Just uh, shoot me an email at reed at rsmpropertygroup.com. Thanks again for taking some time out of your day to tune in and continue to grow your real estate investing knowledge is because that's what we're all about here on this show, continuing to grow your financial IQ. If you do like this show and you want to give back, jump on iTunes and leave the show a rating, a five-star if you preferably would like. I know it would help me and it would help us grow our community of eager listeners wanting to invest here in the United States. Guys, we're going to do this all again next week. So take care, be safe, and remember, happy investing. Happy investing.